0: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. There's a legend of the ancient Greek philosopher Diogenes who wandered the country in search of an honest man. Uh, One wonders if he lived today, uh, would his search be in vain, as our society increasingly misunderstands or completely dismisses the very nature of truth, the idea of a universal truth or objective truth? Uh, Join me to talk about this problem that we face is Peter Herbeck. He's Executive Vice President and Director of Mission for Renewal Ministries, and for more than 30 years he's been actively involved in evangelization and Catholic renewal uh, across the globe. Uh, He's co-host for the weekly television program The Choices We Face and Crossing the Goal on EWTN, and also hosts a daily radio program Fire on the Earth, uh, produced uh, in conjunction with Ave Maria Radio. Well, good to have you again.
1: Thanks, Al. Good to be here.
0: Seems like a while since we've been Having a conversation like this,
1: yeah, we we yeah. have conversations offline, which kind of what stirred this thing. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, the reality of your you're kind of wrestling with Romans one in a certain way, you know. What yes, I mean? so, yes, yeah.
0: And uh, I, I want to come back to that, but you you in notes that you made here, you uh, go to John Paul II's first encyclical, um, Redemptor Hominus, yeah, where he quotes the words of Christ about the liberating force of truth. Uh, you want to tell us a little more of what he says there?
1: Yeah, and he just connects. Uh, freedom is connected to the truth. Inse- essentially, you can't have freedom without a grounding in truth in some way. So, here's what he says These words contain both a fundamental requirement and a warning. The requirement of an honest relationship with regard to truth as a condition for authentic freedom, and the warning to avoid every kind of illusory freedom, every superficial unilateral freedom, every freedom that fails to enter into the whole truth about man and about the world. Man is called a freedom. Uh, he's meant freedom based on values and ethics and the rest. And he goes, This is man's free creative forces will only develop to the, to the full if they are based on the truth, which is given to every man as an unshakable foundation. Only then will he be able to realize himself fully and even outgrow himself. There is no freedom without truth. Wow. Very yeah. important,
0: yeah. especially for a nation like the United States. Whose uh, you know watchword uh, throughout its history has been where well, we have an experiment in freedom here yeah uh, so for a nation like the United States that dismiss the very idea of truth uh, is d- going to be d- disastrous uh, for freedom um, yeah. d- Did he um, uh, address the uh, the problem of those who deny that truth exists, but at the same time, they urge upon us certain statements that they argue are true. There's yeah. a hypocrisy here for yeah. many of these people.
1: No, there really there really is. There's something related to that. And he uh, gave a speech at Camden Yards in 1995. We're talking about St. John Paul II here. And he said, um, detached from the truth about the human person, freedom deteriorates into license in the lives of individuals. And in political life, it becomes the caprice of the most powerful and the arrogance of power. I think this is the, these are the things we're seeing, right. and it's related to what you're just saying. Far from being a limitation upon freedom or a threat to it, reference to the truth about the human person, a truth universally knowable through the moral law written on the hearts is in fact a guarantor of freedom's uh, future. Uh, Robert Riley, you, you mentioned to me you had him on the other day. Yeah, yeah. And I happened, talk, it made me think about it. I ran across a quote we, from him. We'll throw him in here because it's related to this. Yeah,
0: we were talking about what Indonesia's new law code. Yeah, uh,
1: he said, The central insight of classical Greek political philosophy is that the order of the city is the order of the soul writ large. If there's disorder in the city, it is because of disorder in the souls of its citizens. This is why virtue in the lives of the citizens is necessary for a well ordered polis yeah
0: that was the belief of the founding fathers of the united states too yeah that virtue was necessary uh, for a republic
1: yeah citizens it's necessary for freedom to yeah. live right to, to, to be able to share a way of life that is foundationally you know free but that's then connected to the truth so where does the virtue come from it comes from being rightly ordered to reality yeah and a right conception of what it means to be human and a right understanding of the reality that we're created and all the stuff that's being absorbed, exor- ex- um, uh, what should I say, is being uh, ignored these days or rejected these days. The idea that there's some kind of uh, natural law, natural order, something that reason can, um, can lay hold of, that can help us um, lay hold of a design or a, a plan of a designer. All that stuff is being suppressed today. It's yeah. being denied today. And you can't get to where Robert Riley's talking about or what John, St. John Paul II is talking about without being able to acknowledge that as the ground of being itself.
0: No. Yeah, yeah. St. Paul takes up this uh, question of truth and uh, actually freedom, too, in Romans chapter 1. And I'll, I'll read it uh, at some length here because I, I do think this is one of those pivotal passages in the New Testament
1: this is a good little Bible study that's worth taking the time to dive into now. But to yeah. so read the whole thing, it is good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he says
0: he's writing about the pagan world, and he says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, since what may be known about God is plain to them. God has made Himself plain. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. So he's saying, you know, look around. Uh, You can see evidence of design. Uh, This is meant to indicate a designer. Um, There's also, uh, we all, uh, human beings are uh, intrinsically, They are moral-judging creatures. Uh, You can't escape making moral judgments. That also uh, implies that there's a uh, a lawgiver. Uh, For though they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. So I think this is interesting. They have the evidence of God's existence uh, through the, the external... Uh, world, the, the design of the universe. They also have evidence for the existence of God because they're always making moral judgments, which indicates that they're creatures related to uh, a lawgiver. But they don't glorify God. In other words, they resist him. Their thinking becomes futile. So when they don't recognize God as the source of truth, their thinking becomes futile their foolish hearts are darkened. Although they claim to be wise, they become fools and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity uh, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchange the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who was forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abused natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received into themselves the due penalty of their perversion. Um, this shows a deteriorating conscience, uh, a confused mentality, and a debased morality. All because people would not acknowledge God and give Him thanks. Yeah, you know, here's what, a very simple act of thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, it, uh, Pope Benedict XVI described it along the lines you're talking about right now. First yeah. thing he said is he was reflecting on that very passage was to say that this is not just a particular thing that happened at a particular time in history That's that Bible, right. the Bible's reflective. He said this is the constant temptation of the human race. Yes. This is the human struggle in a deep way. And he put it this way. He said, Truth was available to them, but they did not want it, nor the claim it would make on them. Human beings opposed the truth that would demand submission of them, submission in the form of honoring God and giving thanks. For Paul, the moral collapse of society is merely a logical consequence In the exact mirror image of this fundamental perversion that's happening. And so what you see there is, first of all, there's a, what Paul's making the point that there's a, there's a, a willed suppression of the truth, right? It's an, it's an unwillingness to perceive reality, the ground of reality itself. So it's a unobjective perception of reality that's dictated by the will. I don't want to perceive it. So then Paul says, there's a consequence to that. And this is something that it's important for us to be able to understand. You know, the biblical revelation. There's two. There's two realities. There's the kingdom of light. There's the kingdom of darkness. Yeah. There's the kingdom of truth. the, the falsehood, right? Yeah. And so, when I decide to step outside of, I suppress the ground of being, the one in in Him we live and we move and literally have our being. And what getting to the truth? Truth is the correspondence to that being. That's right. And so, if I deny being itself. I'm suppressing truth. And that's why you end up with an empty futility of a darkened mind. Mm. You're now thinking you're connecting to reality, but you're creating it as it goes on. You can see the madness in our own culture, how that's unfolding. But it's interesting, Al. He says three times he gave them over. He gave them over and he gave them over. This is what God does when human beings double down on suppressing the truth about him. In mercy, he calls us back. Yeah. through through Our Lady, through saints, through whatever. And he wants us to come back. But at a certain point, he has to give us what we want so we experience the consequences of our own decisions and the pain of what's described there. So he gave them over, and the first thing you saw was a kind of sexual revolution, sexual disorder. And then then he gave them over a second time, it says. and, And then he says... It became like disordered, unnatural sexual yeah, perversion. Yeah, yeah. And then the third time is a whole cascade of immoral behavior and sinful behavior that's there that comes as a consequence. And that's the result, he said, of a, it says there of a reprobate mind right. when you actually lose touch with reality. So here's the consequence. It's an inescapable consequence of denying the ground of being. You're going to, by the will that's fallen, will take you further and further and further away from sanity, reality. It's going to affect, because you're suppressing the truth, you can't reach the level of freedom personally and as a community, as a political community. So you see this reality unfolding in our culture today all, and look at the deception, the disorder, the division, the lawlessness, the crime, the unnatural, all that. It's-
0: and, and no consensus to deal with it, no moral consensus to deal with it. Exactly. Which then means, of course, you have to have a strong hand, a strong arm of government come in and impose order down the road. Uh, Peter Herbeck, my guest, a topic, truth, and what happens when one suppresses it. Good afternoon. I'm Al Creston. With me, Peter Herbeck of Renewal Ministries, taking a look at this, uh, the question of truth in our society. You know, years ago, and I'm not hearkening back to some golden age, I'm just saying, years ago, if somebody used the phrase like post-truth, nobody would know what they were referring to. But in 2016, the Oxford English Dictionary, uh, established post-truth as the word of the year and it's now become part of our language uh the post-truth world is the world that no longer believes that there's such a thing as a universal truth or an objective truth and so we are cast upon our own personal uh judgments about what is true and what is false uh every political philosopher in history will tell you that when that happens, you've got what happened in the Book of Judges, where everybody did what was right in his own eyes, and that leads to chaos, and that leads into the heavy hand of some strong man. This happened after the French Revolution with Napoleon. It happened after the Bolshevik Revolution with Lenin and Stalin. It just... Whenever you deny the existence of God and... The truth, which is uh, seamlessly uh, part of the acknowledgement of God, what you end up with is people coming up, making things up for themselves. The essence of liberty is our own, our freedom to come up, invent our own morality, our own views of the universe. Now, that's bound that's bound to collapse, and then the question is. How does a society move on? Who who gets to make the corporate decisions about what's true and what's false? Uh, there are devastating consequences for a society that denies uh, the existence of God and then the existence of truth. You were talking uh, during the break uh, about uh, yeah. same Saint- uh, yeah, Pope Benedict the 16th. Yeah, he
1: he did some very insightful work here on this solaris uh, in a book called um, "The Yes of Jesus Christ." But he said at one point, "Opinion, when when truth gets dethroned, when when no, we're not we're no longer when we're suppressing the truth about God, what takes its place?" Yeah. And he said, "Opinion and untruth gain domination. The entire life of a society." Political as well as personal decisions can in this way rest on a dictatorship of untruth of how things are presented and reported instead of reality itself. An entire society can thus fall from the truth into a shared deceit into a slavery of untruth into not being so i I thought this is very insightful l the, the Suppression of the truth leads to a collective and shared deceit. Think about how that's unfolding in our time. The forces that are coming against us to say, okay, for example, a woman is a man, or a man can have a baby. Yeah, this is just manifestly not real. It's untrue. And so, what they've moved from, you know, and then our president stands up and says, "This is the great mor. This is the great moral battle of our time," and it's. Completely disconnected from reality.
0: It's, a, it's an attempt
1: to deconstruct
0: certain aspects of creation, which ultimately you can't deconstruct. Yeah. You, you're, you will not get rid of male and female. Those will continue to be there. Whether you acknowledge them or not is another story. Yeah. But those are realities that aren't going away. Yeah. No matter what you say about them, you can create all kinds of trouble by suppressing the truth and unrighteousness and leaving especially young people confused about the uh relationship between sex and gender. Um but you're 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 not going to obliterate entirely obliterate uh God's reality. He he just he's there. He may bring judgment on you. Uh, to clear away the confusion,
1: you were reflecting earlier too, uh, Al, uh, during the break about how the the whole what's happened with the whole abortion reality yeah. is a classic example of this yeah, collective this deceit. This is amazing this, to me. This de- you know, untru- insisting on untruth.
0: I I, for- I, uh, I remember seeing um, uh, was it who's, who was Doctor Phil D- deny that the unborn uh, child. Was human life now? There is simply no doubt about it. It's, it's, it's the so-called the fetus is human life. It's not giraffe life. It's not carrot life. It's human life. Now, if you can't get to that point, then we can never get to the question of personhood. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you can't, if you deny the most basic biological characteristic uh, of that new entity. You can never get to the the important questions and the more difficult questions of personhood, so uh, th- but we have this is this is what 's going on right now, yeah. and uh, this makes it impossible to have sustained conversation in a civil way
1: yeah yeah, there's no question about it. I think the uh, Joseph Pieper's done some really good work here too i 'd recommend a book, a small little book called Abuse of Language." Yeah. Abuse of power uh, that he put together in, in, he he defines, what does it mean to be true? We're talking about the truth, but for a person to be true, you know, which all of us as disciples are called to be, we're, we're meant to be witnesses to the truth, right? And to live the truth in our own lives and to communicate it. And he put it this way, to be true means to be determined in speech and thought by what is real, Right. But what is really said, language and the word itself are the medium that sustain common existence of the human spirit as such. Word and language have a twofold purpose, to convey reality and an interpersonal communication. So if you corrupt the language, you corrupt speech, you corrupt you corrupt society. And corruption means failing to correspond to what's real yeah. and what's true. Yeah. And so he said all things. As they are, as they really are, this is the goal. They said, truth is the unveiling of reality, right? right? In this consists the good of man and defines the meaningful human existence. All men and women are nurtured first and foremost by the truth. Truth is the nourishment of healthy human beings and so- society is sustained by truth being publicly proclaimed and upheld. Yeah. How about that? Now, this is a test of what a healthy society. Look at what's happening in our society. Yeah. Al. Everybody's calling it freedom, all the rest. It's uh, the willful suppression of reality, right? <laughs> the unobjective. You know, we don't want the mind to lay hold of reality. So the will says, no, I want something else. Yeah.
0: Destroy nature, destroy yeah. truth, and I can be yeah. free. That's the only yeah. way I can be free yeah. is if I deny uh, the the claims of yeah. nature and the claims of truth on me that's destructive as all get out
1: yeah very much so again here's a uh, Pope Benedict the 16th he said what what also replaces things is the appearance of the world in quotes in the media the media becomes more and more the real governance of the world fear of what appears becomes a universal power and damages courage of the truth and then when the fear of God that has its proper place at the heart of the love of God no longer holds sway in society, people lose their standard, their criteria. Fear of man then begins to exert its domination over them. There emerges an idolatry of what appears, and thus the door is wide open for every kind of folly. He says, "Right, yeah." And so, uh, the fear of man exerts itself when you no longer, when you suppress the truth about God, you lose this healthy dimension of the fear of God, the healthy filial fear. Of, the majesty, glory, power of God and the consequences of opposing him. Instead, it'll be replaced by a different fear and the fear of death, the fear of man. And look at the fear of being canceled today, Al. And how much really intelligent people will say crazy things just to stay in the club and to not get canceled or to get set outside. That's the fear of man. That's the fear of death. And so we're talking about these things because Christians need to see this and we're meant to bear witness to the truth like our lord did and like the apostles did no matter what right? one of
0: one of the uh common observations when it comes to choosing nominating supreme court justices uh and this goes back at least to the Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill confrontation if you're aspiring if you're a young man or woman aspiring to eventually be on the supreme court you 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 you're very careful about what you publish because you know what might come out in yeah. the future so there's it's it is amazing that supreme court nominees now are they are excluded uh, they may be great but they they're excluded if they've uh, if they ended up on the record uh in a controversial uh, case so yeah. so what People think, well, so that, is that such a bad thing? Well, yeah, it, it is because you're teaching young men and young women to shut their mouths, yeah. so that they can please man in the future. When in fact, those are that's those early years of the years they ought to be training uh, their mind exactly. to be more effective yeah. Uh, 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 jurists. Yeah. Anyways, uh, it, I I don't think there's any denying this. Uh, George Orwell talked about this really during uh, just after world war 2 yeah. well uh, he's a remarkable writer um he said in times of universal deceit telling the truth will be a revolutionary act
1: there we go yeah yeah
0: so one of the, i quoted him in the dangers to the faith in that very point because i do believe that uh what's happening now is We're seeing a differentiation between two different types of people. Uh, We have those people who you might put in the more traditional thinker uh, position, Uh, basically Catholics, uh, evangelical Protestants, Jews, Muslims. Uh, There are some secular humanists that are in this category, too, because they they don't believe that reality is infinitely malleable. They think there are certain givens, like objective morality. Opposed to that more traditional bunch are so-called progressives who don't believe that ultimately there is truth or ultimately there is a design to life or a purpose to life. And in fact, they think to the contrary, it's their responsibility to design the future for the rest of us. And this is this is actually going on in at very high levels of elite conversation. Uh, I spent time on this in again dangerous to the face. Not that I'm face. Not that I'm trying to push the book, but it, at least there's a conversation there about this problem. And we're seeing it in the U.S. We're seeing it uh, in Europe. We're seeing it in Great Britain. And um, well, more on that on the other side of the break. Uh, I'm Al Cresta with Peter Herbeck. Talking about the depth of truth in our culture, and what, as Catholics, we can do about it. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta with Peter Herbeck, talking about the problem we have in a uh, what uh, MIT is called a post-truth world. Um, also another book here by Michiko Kakutani, uh, The Death of Truth. And there are plenty of, this has been, you know, what's funny about this conversation is that it's it's really generations old. Christians have been warning that we're moving in this direction uh, going back into the early, at least, into the early uh, 20th century. And now, of course, we're seeing those, prophetic words uh, unfold we're seeing the fruit of suppressing the truth in unrighteousness and uh, again uh, when in the redefinition of freedom as doing what one wills rather than uh, the freedom to conform our lives to what is true yeah and this is you, you ask, well, what are the consequences of this? And it seems to me scripture uh, has a picture of the end, which addresses this problem of the suppression of truth.
1: I mean, all, all to, this, this battle is going to go on until the Lord comes again. Yeah. We lived through a time in our country where the cultural consensus was basic respect for god and the things of god even though not everybody was signed on to it that's right but the 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 culture the way of life of the people what was honored what was celebrated was there well that's gone it's it's almost completely gone i mean it's it seems to be going fast and that's goes back to the suppression of the truth so the here's the here's the challenge the christian is put in and it's a great moment for us i mean it's a it's discouraging to see this It can be a little frightening at times for folks, but Jesus said, don't have any anxiety about anything. Be not afraid. He said, you know, Bible says 365 times for every day of the year. He's serious (laughs) about that. He told the apostles, he told the apostles, you know, uh, don't let your hearts be troubled. That's when he's telling them about what's going to happen to him and what's going to happen to them. He said, because I've overcome all this, but you be faithful, be a faithful witness to the truth. Understand like, a Christian, above all people, should not be surprised what's going on. It, You know, not be surprised when the world acts worldly. And it's not our responsibility to make truth triumph, Al. Right. It's our responsibility to bear witness to the truth and right. to be faithful. That's right.
0: right. Absolutely. To be
1: faithful. And, uh, and the book of Revelation, the first chapter there, with John writing a letter to the seven churches after he's had this you know, he's this, this vision of the Lord in the context of prayer on the Lord's day. And I love the opening line of it. Mm-hmm. I, John, share with you the tribulation, the kingdom and the patient endurance. This is Christianity for the most part in history. That's right. Until the Lord comes again. Yeah. And he was he wasn't shocked. Like, why is this happening to us? He said, this is the reality we share and to be faithful to it. And to see the Lord. So it's... Uh, and Jesus is the faithful and true witness. He is. That's what he is. It's one yeah. of his titles. It's one yeah. of his names. And so here's the temptation in a moment like this we have is to abandon the faith, which some people are doing, compromise, uh, purchase security and safety yeah, to protect the idols, my idols, you know, uh, to escape suffering and to accommodate to the world. Those are all temptations. Yeah, there's, and, a res-
0: there's a great temptation to fit in. Yeah. Uh, especially... In, in particular, fields uh, like uh, healthcare, yeah, uh, there's great professional pressure
1: to conform, and we need to be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves, But going back to what you were introducing a few minutes ago about what the scripture tells us, you know, we know where we're going. Human history's really heading toward, and the catechism's clear, the scripture's clear, the rise of the antichrist, a a a time of extraordinary upheaval yep. and opposition to God that the whole world is going to be caught up in in a significant way. But here's what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 9 and 10, I think which applies always and we need to be aware of. Says the coming of the lawless one by the activity of Satan, the lawless one would be the antichrist by the activity of Satan will be with all power and with pretended signs and wonders and with all wicked deception <laughs> for those who are to perish. For they refuse to love the truth and be saved.
0: Yeah. This is Paul. Refusal
1: to love the truth is, to love the truth mm-hmm. is so critical, Al. Yeah. Not my truth, not my willing unreality, but my silence before being, yeah. my humble, ref, you know, allowing God to reveal the truth to, to my heart and to my will. And I can say yes to, that's where my freedom is, right? Not self-creative, you know, sort of freedom that's present there. But deception is the work of the enemy.
0: Satan is the father of lies. In Revelation 12, we see him as the great dragon. Um, The deceiver, he's called the deceiver of the whole world. Again, this this question of what's true, what's false, even at the most basic levels of the evidence of our senses, it's very important. It's not just true at metaphysical discussions. It's true that you accept the evidence of your senses and stay connected to what you know is true. Yeah. Uh,
1: I, I, and the, and the, the pattern of, of Christian history is this witness that we're called to, you know, because we're following in the footsteps of Jesus to give courageous, faithful witness to the truth of the gospel, the truth of re- which includes the truth about reality, be faithful to the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus in an unbelieving and increasingly hostile world. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how it's going to be until the Lord comes again. And that's exactly what he told us. And so to we need to see this as an opportunity, not just crushing disappointment or something to be afraid of, but to say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, so we need to bring to the Lord to say, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm discouraged about what's going on. Maybe I'm frightened about what's going on. Um, I do want to run and hide, Lord. You know, be honest with Him, or I don't, I don't want to, um, to have to face it. I want to escape into oblivion, like so many people are doing, and be honest with the Lord and put your heart there and say, because He said, what, I will give you the Holy Spirit. He will lead you to all truth. Yeah. He will give you the strength. And we. this is what we celebrate. Our churches are filled with statues and, and stained glass windows of people who did this, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. and we're called to do the same. And uh, the Lord is permitting it to happen in this time. And we're alive at this time, Al. And his strength is enough for us. And we. he wants to lead us to have to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves as we go forward to it. And the key for us is to live in the truth ourselves, yeah. give to God what belongs to God now, yeah. right? And to give our neighbor what belongs to the, our neighbor. It, it, again, truth is has a communal
0: dimension to it. It it, it, it it's relational. Yeah, um, that's why when Jesus says, "I am the truth," uh, there's a personal dimension to truth, and we uh, are meant to speak the truth in love. Why? Because speaking the truth is meant to strengthen your relationship with your brother. Yeah. It's not meant to, uh, to erode the relationship. And uh, when pe- people begin to deny this idea of truth as something that can be objectively and universally known, uh, they are making their neighbor, they're on, the first, they're on the first step, making their neighbor an enemy. Yeah, because you will eventually end up with my truth versus your truth, Yeah, and you will lose the shared moral consensus that has held uh, the United States together uh, since its founding. And uh, I was looking at uh, sociologist Oz Guinness, who's written some great books over the years, and uh, he's got one called Zero Hour, uh, America's Zero Hour. I, I just want to read... Uh, a paragraph or two there from him. Um, Pull it up. He says, America, after two and a half centuries, has grown into a wealthy, elitist, technocratic, bureaucratic, and corporatist world power that alternately suppresses and squanders freedom with a prodigal carelessness that defies all reason. And despite all this, still seems largely unaware of, of the deadliest peril it faces. Is this the way you repay God in whom so many of your ancestors put their trust and from whom they received their ideals and their blessings? Shame on recent generations of Americans for their carelessness, their unconcern, and their ignorance of what the republic was founded to be. In contrast to those ideals, America today is enough to make every lover of freedom weep for the promise betrayed the record stained indelibly and the wide and gracious land crying out for the blood shed on it and the savageries committed in its name America will fall unless like the writing on the wall at Belshazzar's feast those four stern words will haunt America you have been weighed and found wanting uh, this is a uh, just a look from you know, a, a long-time observer of the United States, a committed Christian who's spent his life um, bearing witness to the truth and very concerned um, about the United States at this moment in our history. Oz Guinness still thinks that there's opportunities here for the nation to repent. But he means repent. He, yeah. He's He's talking about this is not this is not a political problem anymore. No, it's a uh, spiritual problem. You know, it's a spiritual problem. Spiritual yeah. problem.
1: And I, I think you began with Romans 1 today, Alan. I yeah. think this is what we're seeing. It's fundamentally a, a moral problem or a spiritual problem because what you see there is um, the suppression of the truth is is the fundamental sin of human pride exercising itself in a form of idolatry. I refuse to acknowledge God because yeah. basically I want to be God. And then the, th- the things you described, you know, God gave them over to first, as I mentioned, you know, the, a sex a sexual revolution starts to get disordered. Then it gets perverted. Then a reprobate mind. The consequences. He's trying to bring us back. Father uh, Joseph Fitzmaier uh, said in his commentary on Romans, said the fundamental sin is idolatry that's yeah. going on in the yeah. human
0: heart. That's right.
1: And all you the displace, stuff that happens displace is
0: replace God. Yeah, from all the center, the,
1: and the consequences are God's judgment. God's judgments in history are good when he doesn't, like Isaiah says, when God's judgments are in the land, men learn righteousness, but we're insisting on unrighteousness and we're living the consequences of it. He allows it to happen so that he can wake up and re- get people to remove everything that's hindering authentic love, authentic truth, authentic freedom, right? And so, I mean, that's that's really the spiritual realm. So what is what is the way to respond to it i often think of second chronicles chapter 7 verse 14l i know you know this well if my people who are called by my name right yeah humble themselves yeah. yeah and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways i will hear from heaven i will forgive their sin and i will heal their land
0: that's an address to the covenant people of God. Yeah, It's, it's addressed to Christians. Well, in there it's addressed, of course, to the Hebrews. Yeah. But it's, its New Testament application is to the church. Yeah. And this is why uh, Fulton Sheen in the 1920s uh, was so articulate on Catholic patriotism. He was not a, uh, a, a white Christian nationalist. That's not what he yeah. was about at all. But his, he knew that the United States, the way it was constructed— needed to have a virtuous citizenry if its experiment in ordered liberty was to survive and succeed. And I think today uh, Catholics should remember that we are called to virtue uh, for many reasons. But one of those reasons has to do with being a good citizen as yeah. well. Peter, thanks. Oh, you're yeah. welcome. It's yeah. always
1: a joy. Yeah. God bless you. What a great moment to be alive, to be it a is. follower of Jesus.
0: It's a great time to be a Christian in America. Yeah, it yeah. really is. All right. I'm Al Cresta. We'll have notes uh, for you on my conversation with Peter at AveMariaRadio.net. Be back in just a moment here.